0: To the People Show. What a fun intro, Dom. Great intro. When to come back. It's groovy. It's groovy. That's that's a great word for it. Uh, welcome back to The People Show. Josh Elliott-Wolf filling in for Vic Mazar, who will be on uh, Canuck Central shortly. Uh, but right now it is time for... Our football update brought to you by the Clayton Public House, pre-game to post-game. The Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors, theclaytonpub.com. It is time for Danny Kelly, senior staff writer for The Ringer. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. Thanks for taking the time, Danny. Uh, How's it going? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great before we get into uh, this weekend's action and what happened over the past weekend and divisional weekend, I did want to get into the coaching carousel a bit. Today, we saw some DCs get fired and uh, in LA, the Chargers seem pretty linked to Jim Harbaugh. What do you think of that? And do you think he is the right fit in LA with the Chargers?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, he's like first off, he's had an, an incredible amount of success everywhere he's gone in fact if he, if he comes back to the NFL I believe he would have the best winning percentage of any coach in the NFL thats a- winning percentage of any coach in the NFL that's active um, over his career so obviously like he knows what he's doing he went to the college ranks won a national championship made that Michigan um, program into like a, a perennial top dog and so obviously he knows what he's doing I think the big thing and the, the exciting thing notion of him coming back to the NFL and going to the Chargers is like what he could do with Justin Herbert in that offense. Cause he's, you know, he's, he's been known to do a really good job of kind of just like knowing how to get the best out of his quarterbacks, going back to like the time with Kaepernick, um, you know, helping design schemes and offenses and systems that like help get the best out of his players. And so, um, you know, I think the personality thing is the big question. He's kind of a weird guy um, and that could rub, People the wrong way but at the end of the day like he's had a ton of success and i think he's a good coach from a football office and point of view so i would be pretty excited to see what he could do in particular for for you know justin herbert and his development because justin herbert's kind of had a whole bunch of different offensive coordinators play callers over the years going back to even his college days and so um maybe having a little stability going forward would be really good for herbert
0: and what what do you think that next step is for Herbert? Like in, in terms of yeah. unlocking that next level, what do you what do you think that is for Herbert? If Harbaugh can get that out of him, if it is Harbaugh, <laughs>
1: um, I think honestly it's like it, this is maybe more just like a vibes thing, but it's just like winning in the big games. You know what I mean? Like it seems mm. like the, the Chargers are. It, almost like cursed. I don't know if cursed is the right word, but it just feels like the Chargers are the team that you always expect is going to blow it at the end of the big game or whatever. They just kind of have had that history. Um, they've had, um, you know, a long history of just losing in a really depressing manner and like kind of collapsing at the wrong time. So yeah, um, kind of getting the team over the hump in that area I think would be the big thing. Um, you know, I think Justin Herbert, obviously, if you look at his stats over the first couple of years of his career, like he's up there with all the best quarterbacks and um, obviously his tools are outstanding. Um, but I think just keeping him going in the right direction, it felt like he did regress a little bit this season. Um, you know, obviously injuries played a big part of that, but at the end of the day, like getting him kind of back on track and turning into the quarterback I think that he has the potential to be, which is one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, Um, Kind of just getting everything back on track and and calming down some of the chaos that that tends to happen in in, uh, the Chargers organization in general, I think would be just like a good thing overall.
0: Uh, over the weekend, obviously, uh, divisional weekend around the NFL, and uh, it feels like we had this conversation with the Cowboys last week. That was kind of the the thing. Like, what do the Cowboys do? They just can't get over the hump. And now this right. week, it, it's the Bills. Where I mean, every time they play the Chiefs, they just can't buy can't get by them. What do yeah. what do the yeah. Bills do to kind of get over that hump?
1: that's a good question. This was like, it's, it's tough and it's depressing if you're a Bill's fan, obviously, because this was sort of their opportunity. The chiefs, you know, are a very flawed team. They, I think, you know, obviously if you look at this particular game, Patrick Mahomes played almost perfect. I saw some stat that he had, um, 11 net yard or adjusted net yards per attempt, which is like a really, really good number. It takes into account like sacks and, and drops and everything. And, um, you know, if you look back at the times in, in history in the playoffs when quarterbacks have had that amount, of, that, that amount of success in the passing game, like, they've never lost. So that take that for what it's well. Like, he, they essentially ran into, like, Patrick Mahomes playing almost perfectly, which is always tough to beat. Um, but, I mean, I think if you're looking at the big picture with the Bills, you know, one of the big problems for them going down the stretch, it felt like, was they plateaued offensively. Um, you know, they fired their offensive coordinator middle of the season, Went with Joe Brady instead, the offense, I think, was like still decent and good. And, and like, obviously, Josh Allen is going to do his thing and in making incredible plays. But um, Stefan Diggs completely fell off the map at the end of the season, which I think had a big effect on them overall. Mm-hmm. They still have sort of a hit or miss run game. It, it does feel like the Bills offense in general is just, Josh, go do your thing. Play hero ball get us a w and you know that's that's kind of asking a lot especially when you're you you know your main adversity or your main adversary in in this conference is is Patrick Mahomes like it's just really hard to outplay that guy so um I think they need to get more balance on offense they need to get more receivers in there get a couple more um you know guys that can help him out take some of the pressure off of him and make some big plays for him because Stefan Diggs absolutely disappeared in the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, do you think like so with Stephon Diggs? Do you think that's just a matter of teams figuring him out, or is it like is Sean McDermott the speaking of coaching? Like is Sean McDermott the guy in Buffalo?
1: <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, I don't really know. It's like it's hard because they've done they've had so much success over the years. You know what I mean? And it's like, do you go away? And this is what the same question we were having with like the Cowboys. Like they keep winning twelve games, but then they can't win in the playoffs. Like. The Bills obviously are a very good team. They've done very well um, in the regular season. They just can't seem to get over the hump. Does that mean you need to come in and make wholesale changes to the coaching staff? Maybe. Um, But then at the same time, you could make a change to the coaching staff and everything could kind of fall apart, like it could be a house of cards type of deal. So, you know, I I really don't know the answer to that. He's pulled a lot of levers this year. He fired his defensive coordinator coming into the season. He fired his offensive coordinator uh, middle of the season. Maybe he's going to fire his special teams coach this offseason. We'll see. Um, but I think he's running out of levers to pull. Um, and so if he if they don't fire him this offseason, and I haven't heard yet really if they're considering doing that or not. But if they don't fire him, I think this is going to be like his last shot at it, and kind of like now now or never. Try to get over the hump, and if you if you can't you, if you can't do it now, you know we're going to probably make a change. So I'd say this is his last shot if he doesn't get fired this year.
0: Uh, on the other so. The the Bills are one of the one of the teams where it's like, hey, you lose, and and you kind of got to reevaluate everything. But uh, a couple teams that lost over the weekend, the Texans and the Packers, are kind of the flip side of that, where you lose, but you you find all these encouraging things. And for the Texans, you have yeah. a young quarterback, you're growing. Same with the Packers. Um, it feels like so. Despite the loss, the Packers have shown that they're they're pretty legit. Jordan Love has shown that he's pretty legit. How difficult is is that division now going to be with? How good or how quickly the Packers have kind of gotten to good status
1: again, and and how good the Lions
0: yeah. obviously are as well.
1: Yeah, plus you throw in if, if the Vikings get Kirk Cousins back, it sounds like maybe they're leaning in that direction this offseason. And the Bears are going to get Caleb Williams probably. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be over the next couple of years probably a really fun division to watch. You know, um, I think that the the Jordan Love thing is so huge for the Packers. It's like there's. I mean, I don't know what the deal is with this team, just being able to find one good quarterback after another. Like, going back to 1992, I think I think uh, Brett Favre's first year starting for the Packers was 92. Mm-hmm. And they've had they've – had, so, like, think about what you were doing in 1992. I don't know. Like, this is, like, 30 years ago. So, yeah. um So, it, it's like they've had Brett Favre, and then they went right to Aaron Rodgers, and then now it looks like Jordan Love is the guy. I and mean, this is, like, this was the year that he had to prove that. This is, you know, there was a shaky, like, couple of games early in the season where, well, it doesn't really look like he's the guy. Uh, and then he obviously came on really, really strong in the second half of the season. Um, I think the team came together around him, which is really exciting for them. They have, um, you know, like five, five, six, seven offensive skill players that are like under 24 years old that are all kind of developing together. Um, they have, well, it looks like a nucleus that they can really build around on offense. So that's super exciting for them. I think, you know, Jordan Love proved that he is the guy for them and that and that's like the most important thing by a mile in the nfl so um you know obviously they're going in the right direction i think the lions of course are a really really exciting team and then you know like i said the bears seem to be going in the right direction their quarterback situations of course the big deal and same with the vikings and if those two teams can get their quarterbacks kind of squared away this offseason we could look at the NFC North as one of the best divisions in football next year.
0: Yeah, as a Vikings fan, I was super ready for the Packers to finally not be good, and then they decided they didn't want to do <laughs> right. that. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was awesome. Incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so uh, the Texans as well. One, one thing that I feel like happens every off season and we kind of saw it with the Lions. I would, I would say this past off season is there's, there's always a sexy team where you're like, Hey, this is the team that can be a threat and can make the playoffs can maybe make a run when they get there as well. Which of these teams do you think will be the sexier pick this off season, the Packers or the Texans?
1: Oh man. You're gonna make me choose. That's tough because I think um, you know there's a both both have a very like mm-hmm. strong case. I think to be like one of the better teams next year. I'd say I guess the I'm guessing the Texans will probably be um, more sexy like on a national scale just because of what Stroud did as a rookie. Obviously, Jordan Love has been in the league for like four years now, and so you know he's been around. People know him, and I think he's just kind of like not as big, not as high profile. I would say just because you know. Um, he's been around for a little bit longer, but I think CJ Stroud, what he did, was truly like top level stuff. Like you, you know, people are putting him in the top five in quarterbacks in the NFL. Like people are saying, if you could choose who your quarterback is going to be for the next ten years, you know, contracts included and all that, like CJ Stroud, it's really, really high up there. Especially because he's not making very much relative to most of the league, mm-hmm. and so. Um, you know, obviously Nico Collins came on really strong. Tank Dell came on really strong. Um, they've got I think they have yeah, they still have a first runner, so they still have some ammunition that they can um use this off season to get to get better. Um, so yeah, I mean they they're gonna be a team I think and their coaching is really strong. So they're gonna be a team I think a lot of people really like going into next year. And obviously it helps they're in Texas. Texas is like huge football state and so mm-hmm. um you know, Green, Green Bay, much smaller market and all that. So I'm, I'm guessing people are going to love the Texans a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so this weekend we got uh, the Ravens and the Chiefs, and then the the Niners and the Lions. Um, when I look at the like the the Chiefs Ravens games to, to me, um, I feel like both teams kind of have that that aura of a team that can that can go to the Super Bowl. Um, but when I look at the Niners and the Lions, it just and maybe I'm just so used to the Lions being the Lions, but it just feels like <laughs> I, I'm not ready to see them in a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels like it right. should easily be the Niners if there was a. I guess a case to be made for for Detroit upsetting uh, San Francisco, and don't have to get like too crazy in depth with it. But what 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 do you think that case is uh, for the Lions upsetting the Niners?
1: I mean, if, if anything, it's just that the Forty ers really didn't look good last week. You know what I mean? Like they they probably should not have won that game against the Packers. Um, the Packers had. A couple plays early in the game where they like turned the ball over in the red zone. They they settled for a field goal. They had a couple of really big turnovers, um, and I mean honestly, the, it felt like the Packers were dominating that game. And, and Brock Purdy did not play well. So I think if you're building a case um, for the Lions going to the Super Bowl, it's going to be that the 49ers, for whatever reason, for mil- for multiple reasons, are just not on their game right now. You know, there's injuries. Devo Samuel. Um, is not practicing today. It doesn't, it's unclear if he's going to be able to play. It sounds like they're optimistic he can, but I mean, his style of, of play is not necessarily very conducive to having a shoulder injury. He's taken a lot of big hits. He's a, you know, he's a run after catch guy. He's not a finesse guy. So um, not having Devo out there could be like a big factor. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's like, if you're building a case, it's really just that like the 49ers don't seem to be peaking at the right time. They don't seem to be hot, whereas the Lions, um, are playing with a ton of confidence. They're essentially playing with house money. Like nobody really expected them to get here. I think the pressure is much more on the 49ers in this case. And so, um, you know, I think it, it is probably, I think it's going to be a close game. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all goes. But, I, you know, I'd say um, if I if I hadn't seen that game last week with the 49ers, it really didn't look that good. I'd, I would be easily picking the 49ers here. But after, the, after watching that game, I'm like, hmm, I don't know, they, just, they, they seem to have lost their, their you know, killer instinct or whatever it is. You know, they just didn't look like themselves in this last game. So if that carries over, the Lions could pull it off.
0: Uh, it is the people show Josh Elliott Wolf joined by Danny Kelly of The Ringer. Um the one conversation that I always find fun, and again, as a as a Vikings fan, Kirk Cousins kind of fits into it as well. Um, is the Brock Purdy conversation where you can watch a game and you're like, if you if you hate him, you can see why you would hate him, and if you're if you believe in him, you can see that too. And we've kind of seen it with Derek Carr in Vegas as well. Um what do you what do you think of that whole conversation and, and what side, I yeah. guess, are you on?
1: <laughs> um, it's, it's tough because I think a lot of the narrative and a lot of the conversation and a lot of just, like, the overall, you know, feel of, of what side you land on the Brock Purdy thing is just, like, rooted in where you anchor. Like, obviously, like, he was the last pick of the draft. And I think a lot of people have a hard time disconnecting that with how he's playing. You know what I mean? Like, it, the, he's, uh, the last pick of the draft is not supposed to be playing this well. And so I think there's a lot of people that have a hard time believing that it's real. And I was in that group for a really long time. I was still kind of in that group where I'm like, you know, if he turned into a pumpkin um, next year when he doesn't have like this, like literally perfect situation around him, it would not surprise me whatsoever. Um, But at the end of the day, I kind of stopped the term that my friends and I have used is Brock Gnostic. I'm just like, I'm agnostic about it. (laughs) I, I, I acknowledge that he's playing extremely well in in the situation that he's in i'm brock gnostic i'm not going to try and say that he's bad i'm not going to try and say he's the mvp um i'm just kind of right in the middle i think he's he's obviously done an incredible job with what they're asking him to do He's he's made some plays out of structure i think he's been really impressive at times and he's also thrown some passes that he really shouldn't have thrown and and so like you know not to sit on the fence and not to be totally like in the middle on it but like i truly am just like He's playing incredible for what they're asking him to do, and he's obviously elevated this offense, so, like, what am I supposed to say? I don't know if he's necessarily going to have a long, incredible career. I'm still not quite there that he's, like, a top-10 quarterback in the NFL legitimately Um, because I do, like, the the people that are against Brock or whatever, like, quote-unquote, against Brock or maybe not believing in him, is, like, he has one of the best collections of skilled player talent in the NFL history like Christian McCaffrey, Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. This is one of the best collections of skilled players we've seen. Also add into the fact that Kyle Shanahan's quarterbacks over the years, whether it was uh, Jimmy G, Nick Mullins, um, go down the line. Like every one of those guys has like produced like incredible efficiency numbers, like eight plus yards per attempt. you know, like every one. It's like the system was obviously, obviously influencing how well he's playing. So I think you know those those facts and that, oh, oh by the way he also has the best left tackle in the football and, a, mm-hmm. and like a really good run game. So I think all those variables together, it's like I definitely understand why people are like this is this guy is not like a top ten quarterback like period. Um, but at the end of the day, like he led the NFL in like every stat this year. Like essentially he, he's like the most efficient quarterback by a mile. Um, and I don't think you can discount the fact that he's running he's doing exactly what the Forty ers want him to do and and more because he's i think making plays out of structure whereas like jimmy g and some of the previous guys in this offense had not been doing that so um yeah i think there's it's a nuanced conversation and i'm 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 like acknowledging that he's been incredible and i don't know if he will always be incredible if the situation changes
0: Prognostic, I like it. I like it. Uh, <laughs> on, on the other side, AFC Championship, uh, Chiefs and Ravens. So going into the playoffs, like this was the year. I was like, Hey, look at the receiving options on the Chiefs. I know their defense has been good, but I thought this was the year where it finally all doesn't come together in the playoffs. And then obviously it has. Do you think that that magic continues for Kansas City in Baltimore?
1: Um, So I saw a stat the other day that the Ravens, and this is according to DVOA and they're in the weighted DVOA. So essentially it's like an efficiency metric. The Ravens are the best team of all time through the divisional round, (laughs) like in DVOA. So efficiency, obviously that's not everything, but like, you know, this is a really, really ridiculously good team. And it's because they're balanced in all three phases. They have a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who, you know, can make, a play that has essentially failed into a great play. You know what I mean? Like if, if the defense does everything right um, up until the point of making him not throw the football, he can run around and like make a big play and get a first down. And it's just very demoralizing um, to t- to try and like, you know, defend that. Um, so I think, you know, just to state the obvious here, like the Ravens are a ridiculously good team. They're one of the best teams um, in efficiency all time. and And I think that's like, you know, something that you got to take into account here, but at the same time, you got Patrick Mahomes, who just seems inevitable. I think this is what we were talking about after the Chiefs beat the Bills this weekend. Is like it's like Mahomes for like for all the struggles that the Chiefs have had all year. You know, they they've really looked like out of sorts. Really, you know, the offense has just not been in rhythm. The, the receivers are disastrous at a lot of times. Like Travis Kelsey's really fallen off. They came you know, they came to play when it really matters. And Travis Kelsey had two touchdowns. I think he had his first touchdown since week eleven. Like he'd been pretty invisible. Yeah. Um, you know, for a couple of months here and he he showed up when it really mattered. And I think the Chiefs are that team that is like, Yeah, we've been here a million times, like, you know, we'll we'll kind of like gut it out and, and do that little bit extra that we need when it really matters here, because now they're in the AFC championship again for the sixth straight year. Uh, Mahomes has only gone to the the AFC Championship in his career. Like, every year he started, he's gone there. Mm -hmm. It's Um, crazy. There's a a feeling of inevitability that he comes with, you know, that it's like – like, it almost makes me think the Chiefs are going to win. I I would probably pick the Ravens just based on, like, rationality and logic. But, like, if we're talking about, like, almost the Brady aura, I think that's what Mahomes has. And so – um, you know, I'm not counting the Chiefs out whatsoever because they have that sort of an extra special thing, and I think that's an intimidation power that they have over almost every other team.
0: No, I agree. It's it's the the aura they have is is unreal, and it just feels like they're they're to your point, inevitable. Hey, Danny, I really appreciate you taking the time, and enjoy uh, the two games this weekend.
1: All right, sounds good. Thank you.
0: That is Danny Kelly, senior staff writer at The Ringer and co-host of The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. This has been The People Show. I've been Josh Elliott-Wolf. Thanks to Dominic Schramatti. Producing, running the board, bleeding nose, he fought through it. Uh, And everyone texting in, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line, and everyone listening. Coming up next is Canucks Central, Satyar Shah, and Biknazar, going to be joined by Kevin Woodley. And it's Wednesday, so overrated, underrated. Stay tuned for that. That's coming up next on Sportsnet 650.